So Lucy. So Robin. How's the book going? I finished my manuscript last year, remember? I'm done. Well, not done. Not done at all. This was Right For Me, Right For You, and we definitely wrote a book last year. So now we're right place, right time, and we're going to edit and submit those manuscripts. books one each last year yeah that was a lot of hard work it got us through the terrifying stressful depressing time by giving us a little portal into our own worlds places to process and escape and build things that might last we're so lucky and privileged to have been able to do it and we almost didn't make it anyway (laughs) yeah it was touch and go there for a minute at least for me but i pulled through and i actually finished two big writing projects in 2020 the novel for mm. this podcast as well as another project that i've been working on for like 4 years um so i feel very accomplished <laughs> hell yeah it ended up being a very good distraction from like the general horribleness um but i don't think i would have been able to do it without this podcast kind of serving as a form of like motivation and accountability um and not to say that anyone who didn't get anything done last year should feel bad like do not like goodness this- no This kind of was how our brains processed that time, and it it worked for us, but it does not work for everyone, and you should not feel like you need to be productive during a freaking global pandemic, so stop feeling bad for yourself. Stop feeling like you did it wrong. You're you're fine. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, the the podcast helped just immensely, because it's so easy to... Like, not realize that time is passing, and just suddenly all this time has gone by since you said you were definitely going to do that book thing. Uh, (laughs) This really just kind of helped me focus, um, even when life was, like, so completely off kilter. Yeah, even if everything had been normal, I'm pretty sure we would have had the same difficulty. Like, there would have been a high level of difficulty finishing a book in a year anyway, for those reasons, right? Like, even when there isn't a global (laughs) pandemic... Finding time to yeah. write and making sure you don't let weeks go by. <laughs> yeah, no, like, that's really hard. And now it is April, and we have to face the fact that the work just isn't done. <laughs> After all, <laughs> the plan was to write a whole book and then see the process through to the end. The process being submitting these books for publication. There's always a chance we won't ever see them on the shelf, but we'll never know unless we try. Yeah, so we changed the name up to Right Place, Right Time to reflect the change of focus for season two. We wrote manuscripts. What's next? A lot of writing and hopefully a lot of luck. (laughs) Yeah. Next is, uh, mostly in this order, revising, querying, and submitting. Sometimes this will happen in iterations, revising again as we get feedback from editors, volunteer readers, agents, etc. That is... Kind of the worst part for me. <laughs> Just going over it again and again. <laughs> I know what you mean, but as they say, the business of writing is rewriting. Um, with few exceptions, revisions are a necessary part of writing and maybe even take longer than just getting that first version down, depending on how rough the rough draft is. And a really polished first draft can be hard to rewrite because it is so tight. You can't see where changes should be made. 
I get precious about what I've written sometimes if I'm not careful. And a little bit of that is inevitable since if I don't like anything I wrote, how can I keep going? It's definitely a possible pitfall. And in publishing outside of novels, there are some differences in what stage a project needs to be at when you submit it to the next set of eyes in the chain. Yeah, in picture books, you make what's called a dummy, a mock-up with the text, as finished as you can get it, and a few sample sample pages of what the finished art would look like, but the rest of the pages are drawn in just sketches, because it's easier for an editor to envision changes in a stage as rough as that, rather than tearing apart what looks like a finished book. Yeah, and that's assuming you're doing your own art, or you're doing the art side, I guess. If you're yeah, just yeah. writing, it's better not to include any art when you're kind of doing a submission, because your editor oh, certainly. Won't, won't want to, like connect you with their pool of artists um so if you're submitting like that kind of manuscript it'll be a lot sparser obviously (laughs) definitely so just like in season one we're both using this podcast as a way to motivate ourselves through our personal goals and using our personal goals as a jumping off point for discussion that might help someone else out yeah and speaking of personal goals robin is in an interesting place with this book interesting is a really euphemistic term here (laughs) Robin has an agent, but her manuscript is 140k and needs to be 100k, so she's revising like mad before asking her agent, or agent's assistant, whatever, to look at it. (laughs) And to be clear, I have an agent for, um, I had an agent already. Like, I didn't get an agent by submitting the project in this state. Mm -hmm. I would probably not do that, even though some people might do that and even have success that way. I personally can't. I would die. (laughs) I feel very (laughs) embarrassed at the stage that it's in. Um, Yeah. Yeah. In fact, Robin's agent has agreed to be a guest for us. Um, So at some point, we'll ask lots of questions to help demystify the whole agent thing and make it easier to see this whole process as something accessible rather than kind of disheartening and like opaque. (laughs) Agents help you get your work in front of the acquiring editors at publishing houses. Technically, you do not need an agent, but hiring a lawyer to go over contracts and looking for open submission periods or forging relationships with editors, that's a lot to take on for oneself. Uh (laughs) And actually, you might need one in that most big publishers will not accept unsolicited manuscripts, meaning that aside from like specific calls for pitches, they pretty much only go through agents. And I mean... Different sized publishers will handle that differently, and you don't necessarily need to go through one of the big publishers, but if that's at all on your radar, you're kind of going to need an agent. Um, And I don't think this is true on the art side, um, but it's definitely true on the author side. Yeah, if you are an illustrator who wants to work in books, um, after putting together a portfolio that is very focused, uh, so you can have multiple portfolios or sections of a portfolio focused on different markets. Mm-hmm. So like, let's say picture books, let's say you wanted to do um, spot illustrations for middle grade novels, and then cover illustrations for YA novels, you might consider those to be like three totally different jobs you're looking for. So you have the different sections for that. The traditional way to do this I mean, I guess once upon a time, you would send a portfolio of either slides or your portfolio to publishers, which is very (laughs) expensive and really inaccessible and part of why a lot of people move to New York or LA to be in publishing, because then you could walk it to an office Mm. and not spend hundreds of dollars shipping things. Um, But at some point, that gave way to printing postcards with your art on one side and contact information on the other and mailing those to the art directors at every publisher whose information you can find. Um, 
And some of these people prefer everything to be an electronic submission. So these days, the cheapest way for an artist to try to, to break in is just to read the submissions guidelines for artists on the website for every publishing imprint that you can find. <laughs> um, so doing the research and then you just email them uh, maybe art samples or maybe just a link to your portfolio. Uh, they will usually tell you what they would like, and you should definitely do what they would ask, or else they just can't slog through it. Mm. And uh, yeah, so that's the way you do that if you're illustration only. But if you're author, illustrator, and agent helps so much, because the minute in text is involved, the more help you have, the better. Mm. Um, if there is anything to take away from our podcast, it's that waiting to be discovered in social media it isn't the only way to make it in publishing, and it may even be the least accessible way. The accessibility of all of this industry structure is, of course, something we're mm, trying to work on directly by demystifying it in the podcast. <laughs> yeah. So Lucy is unagented right now. So she is editing her manuscript to be ready for querying. Yeah, and this will be my first time on this side of the querying process. I've been Because you've been an acquiring... You've been an... <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry, Lucy. I'll let I you do that I'll again. Just, I was gonna. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need to say this part. This is your part. <laughs> yeah, this will actually be my first time on this side of like the querying process because uh, I've worked briefly as an acquiring editor, and I've definitely worked as like an assistant editor or whatever that had to read submissions and kind of just go through what they call the slush pile, which is kind of a a stack of like unsolicited manuscripts. Because even if you say you don't take them, people still send them, so they're still there. And some people will just recycle those, so don't do it. Um, but some people will eventually go through them. Um, but I've never actually sent my own stuff out into the void. <laughs> mm. So for me, that means my first goal is to have a revised version of my manuscript that is polished enough for me to feel confident I'm putting my best foot forward, like when I'm approaching these these agents and editors and stuff, um, and then to write and send what are called query letters, which is where the word querying comes from, right, um, to agents and maybe directly to publishers, um, but probably to agents at this point, because that's sort of what I want to focus on for now, um, to see if I can kind of like tempt them to take a look at it. <laughs> Yeah, we will get so much deeper into this later, but it's always useful to know what you're aiming for. So researching agents this early isn't even a bad move, right? Like who's out there interested in trying to sell the kinds of books you're making? How do they like to be contacted? What is a query letter? <laughs> and if it's kind of so stressful that this process destroys your like creativity, definitely put it off until you have like at least your first rough draft, you know, done or at least revised. I would recommend people not do this until you've at least written that first draft, because uh, you don't want to be thinking too much about like the marketing publishing side until you actually have your manuscript written, because um, Nedder's going to know better than you where it will fit. Anyway, that's me going off into the weeds there, but like it never hurts really just kind of gather information and sort of like make a roadmap for yourself. And it really depends on like what will stress you out and what will not. I don't think it's ever really too early to be aware, but I would definitely recommend like having like write the story you want to write and then figure out where you can go from there. Absolutely. All right, Lucy, where are you with revisions? I basically haven't started yet, um, at yeah. least on my main project. Um, I sent my story to a few select readers, mostly you, um, <laughs> but <laughs> but I haven't reread it myself yet. Uh, so I need to do that. I might set up some way to to 
get like a, the next level of readers in on that once I've done that too. Um, I already know that it needs a lot of work, but I think it will start with just reading it myself and making notes as I go. Absolutely. My other project is a bit further along. For that one, I've been reading it and making notes already and even making a few changes here and there kind of as I go. And since that one took multiple years to write, I'd already gone through a few stages of reading and editing like the early parts of it to kind of keep up my motivation. Mm-hmm. Um, this one is fan fiction, which means instead of like looking for an agent or whatever, I'm just going to be releasing it kind of one chapter at a time as soon as I'm done editing it. Um, which will hopefully be soon because I really want that like dopamine rush of getting quick feedback. Um, <laughs> yeah. I already I already have a few people who are looking forward to reading it or betaing it or whatever. So um, that one is happening. <laughs> Yay! And kind of not revision related, but I do have a new writing project. Well, I say new, but it's not really. I just need to get on it. Um, I've been doing this like series of posts on my blog about the anime Old on High School Host Club where I basically analyze it episode by episode. And I started it years ago. I've kind of got a good working pattern on it last summer when we did like some bonus episodes on our other podcast about it. But I definitely want to go back and actually make headway on it. I keep kind of getting stalled because it does take a long time to do each of those. Because yeah. I have to watch the episodes multiple times and try and write up like... Take notes. Yeah, take notes. Try and write up... um like descriptions of what happened but then also my analysis and just keep track of everything and it's a lot (laughs) so i want to figure out a process for that uh my goal is to start doing that this summer and then do a post a month until i'm done and how about you robin where are you in this process okay so i've done a pass on the first six or so chapters which is i mean thumbs up Mm-hmm. And I've already caught about 10,000 words. Wow. So only 30,000 more to go. <laughs> <laughs> I think I can do it. I have already removed full scenes and characters and so many redundant but very clever sentences. Mm. <laughs> the problem is I kind of need to add scenes too. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, it's that there are a couple things that by the by the time I finished that first draft, I was like, wow. There were threads that I meant to pick up that I didn't, or there were things that I thought I was going to be able to tie in more neatly than I did, and I am going to do that. Like, my my goal for this – I'd say my goal for revisions on this project are to make sure that not only do I cut 40,000 words so that I don't give some poor human being an aneurysm <laughs> having to just look at this document when they're already so overworked um, – not only do I want to cut that, I want to make sure that there are no glaring errors I know should be fixed, right? Like, I don't want to send this out knowing there are edits I would make. Mm-hmm. Um, Like, I don't need to be told to change a thing that I know needs to be changed. <laughs> like, that's a waste of somebody else's time. Mm-hmm. And And in the case of my book, there's a couple things in it where just like... <sighs> If I just change like this one element, it will tie into the theme more neatly. Hmm. And it's it's simple stuff that honestly, like once it's done, no one would ever know it hadn't been this way. It would feel really, really natural. Mm-hmm. And as it is now, it's fine, but it's just not as tight as it needs to be. And that's what you can do in revisions is clean up everything that makes you seem not as incredibly clever and genius as you really are. <laughs> 
Yeah, like you don't have to nail everything the first time. That's what rewriting is for, is to go back and nail those things down in. Mm -hmm. And I just want to make sure that I do the things I can already think need to be changed. Like, it's just that. It's like anything I know, I'm going to go clean that stuff up. So it'll be okay. I'm pretty sure. Word count limits can feel really arbitrary, and they do change over time. Hmm. But I do – I understand that being respectful of what the standards are means I'm not demanding an editor or agent to give my book special dispensation. Basically, I want as few things making my book feel like a tough sell as possible because <laughs> there are plenty of ways in which every book is a tough sell. <laughs> so you just mm -hmm. want to diminish that as much as possible without sacrificing anything that's actually important. And editing it to make it very clean, like, that just helps everybody. In the meantime – I have another book project. Um, well, I have a book project that is coming out soon and is in the promo stage right now. So that is driving me bonkers. And I need to write up like lesson plans for school visits and stuff Aww. like that. So what the, oh my God. So that's a whole thing to even deal with. And then I have another book that is a picture book that is in the editing before I illustrate it stage. And the contract isn't even officially signed yet. So it's not like, officially announced or anything so it just feels like very in limbo mm -hmm. but i am also massively revising that manuscript too and that manuscript is like under 500 words and you would be amazed at how much more time it takes to rewrite 500 words <laughs> than it takes to cut 10,000 words out of another novel like mm -hmm. i can't even begin to tell you how how the amount of time i've spent working on this 500 word book it is similar to the amount of time I've spent <laughs> on the 140,000 word novel. <laughs> like, <laughs> definitely. Uh, so I just live in revisions land now for the and will be here for the foreseeable future. And so I feel like I definitely need this podcast just to survive it. <laughs> and Lucy, since you're editing two projects as well, we can we can comfort each other. <laughs> yeah, it's it's gonna be necessary. <laughs> so I've talked a lot about what I think my responsibility is for revisions, but freelance editors exist, and publishers have editors too. <laughs> Lucy, can you help <laughs> elucidate what these folks do and how they're different and where they fit into this process? Yeah, totally. So as a you know, an author staring down your manuscript, the stages that you're kind of gonna kind of go through are you're first gonna reach out to like beta readers, right? Which is Basically just people you know who will look over this manuscript and tell you what they think about it. So, like, for example, if you're in a writing group, which is a mm – -hmm. this is why writing groups exist, right? Is the idea mm -hmm. that you would have peers who you've chosen to – that you you read their work, which is a huge time commitment and endeavor, and they'll read your work. Yeah. Yeah. It can also be, like um, – like, I have some friends from grad school who I might reach out to be beta readers once my manuscript's, like, at that point. Um, it could be, like, friends and family. It could be, like, oh, yeah. if you write for, like, kids and you know kids, especially not maybe your kids so they don't have as much of, like, a <laughs> emotional attachment to making you not sad. Like, <laughs> if you can kind of reach out to, like, people who are maybe in your market, that may help. Um, but that's kind of like your first round and that can be very, very helpful, especially if they're like fellow writers. So they kind of know how to give you feedback. And we've talked a little bit about how to give feedback kind of in previous episodes and we will again. So don't worry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so when you're kind of done with that process, and this is kind of like what you were talking about, how you want to make sure that you've fixed all the things you know to fix. 
Yeah. Um, once you're kind of done with that, you can choose to hire a freelance editor um, or editors, and that can kind of break down to two types of editing, which people kind of get confused about because it's not... We say editor, but we sometimes mean different things when we're talking about, like, an editor. So there is a developmental editor who is someone who can look at your manuscript and break down what is, like, structurally going on. Like, they can tell you, oh, the beginning needs work. Here's an idea how to do that. Oh, we need a scene here that explains, you know, this. And you don't necessarily have to take all of their, like, suggestions but you should definitely listen to what they are and figure out if you can, at the very least, address the problems they're seeing in your own way. Because, um, I mean, their job is to point them out. They don't necessarily, like, only you know how to make your story, like, work in the way that you want it to work. Like, they're not in your head. They can't know. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's up to you to kind of interpret what they're taking, what they're saying. And then your takeaway is, how do I change how people are responding to this? How do I adjust from here? To get that's the a, result that I want. That's a really interesting point that, like, your job is to figure out how to get the result you want from somebody else, right? Like, if mm -hmm. if they think you need to change something, they may have the wrong change, but the idea that there's something miscommunicating here, like, that's the thing to focus on. Is like, oh, I wanted people to love this character and they all think that he's an asshole, so what do I need to change to make it clear that he is in fact totally lovable and sympathetic, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. that can be the answer even more so than something else that they, like, if they think that they're addressing, well, he's an ass, like, well, obviously this character's supposed to be an asshole, so here's what you want to do with that. And you're like, oh, no, no, that was not my intention. Yeah, like, you can get a little <laughs> lost in these things, but it's a, always a, a good way to get something really important, even when you think that you're editorial feedback is confusing and disappointing. Sometimes it's full of really useful information that just uh, sucks to look at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think it's important to note that if you are not actually wanting to go for publication with this, like if this is just like a passion project, like with me doing fan fiction, I wouldn't go this far with it. If you are just wanting something that's like for a very specific audience you don't necessarily need to hire a developmental editor but if you are looking for publication it can be really useful to hire them especially if you're planning to self-publish and you want someone who is familiar with the market in which your book is entering so like if you write for young adult you want someone who works in young adult and more specifically you probably want somebody who is familiar with like young adult sci science fiction or fantasy or whatever your topic is um, because the more they know about that, the more they're also going to be able to be like, hey, be aware that vampires have been really, really done in this market right now. So if you're trying to sell this, it's going to need to have something really unique. And we're going to want to figure out how it stands apart from other vampire stuff. <laughs> yeah. So that's when you kind of really want someone who's definitely like specific for your target market and experienced in that market and working with similar bo books, because that's when you're going to get the most use out of that person and their services. Um, the other kind of freelance editor that you can find is a copy editor. And this is kind of what most people think um, when they think of editors. And there are some other types of editing. I'm just not, I'm not going to split hairs here. I'm just kind of going for the big, so I can hear other editors out there being like, but, and it's fine, don't worry. <laughs> But a copy editor is going to do what we kind of think of as, like, proofreading when we're talking about, like, editing our own writing for, like, sending your friends or whatever, where or, like, an essay. And that's where they go in and they make sure that, like, everything's spelled right, everything is grammatically correct, or if it's not grammatically correct, it's, like, it's fitting in the style. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. 
So these, I think they... I think it's a little bit less important to find someone who works, like, specifically in one genre. Like, you want someone who does have, you know, familiarity with, like, the, the you know, genre conventions that you're going with so they're not telling you you're misspelling some, you know, acronym that everyone will know. But um, it's a little bit less important that they're that, like, focused because they're really going for more general, like, does this make sense? Is this Is this, you know, grammatically correct, spelling correct, like... Yeah, so you, you have a bit more freedom when you're hiring someone there to not have them be, like, as um, focused. And the, both these things can be very important. You don't necessarily have to hire a freelance editor before you approach a publisher or an agent, but it can be a way to sort of just ensure that you're presenting, like, the cleanest possible thing to them. Yeah. Especially to, the copy editing. Yeah, you want to eliminate anything that makes your book a hard sell. And lots of spelling and grammar errors, while they don't make you a bad writer, they are hard for someone else to read. And it may be mm-hmm. something that that makes somebody like disp- like disposed to distrust your voice or less or like you're just stressing them out by having to read your weird formatting. And, you know, it's really nice to have somebody else who can clean that up, especially if I don't know, like I'm pretty dyslexic and I make a lot of typos and I really need people to help me find the typos I can't see when I read. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if especially if you are freelance or if you are not freelancing, if you well, maybe, but if you are self-publishing, I would especially encourage you to hire both of these types of editors. Um, Not to say that you can't, you know, have someone in your life who might be able to do this, but it's very, very hard to edit yourself. And if you are not a professional editor, it's very, very hard to edit even someone else, um, because the more you look at a project, the more blind you become to the the problems, even like the spelling and grammar issues, because you know what it's already about. So you know your project better than anyone. Your loved ones know your project nearly as well, because you've probably talked a lot about it. So they can only <laughs> do so much actual help as to what whether or not it's making sense, because they know what it's supposed to be. <laughs> yeah. So I would highly recommend them um, just in general. But once you go through freelance editors should you choose to you can then you know start querying agent publishers whatever and you will then eventually interact with acquiring editors at a publishing house and an acquiring editor is someone who goes through the slush pile like we talked about earlier or you know the submissions they have from agents and decides what they want to see more of and then what they ultimately want to publish and they you know they'll work with like other arms of the publishing house to decide all these things but Ultimately, they're the one that kind of, you know, picks the manuscripts that will come in. And then often they will be the one that will work with the author while they're at the publishing house. Sometimes it might be another editor, um, depending on how big the house is and how it's structured and everything. Um, but these kind of editors, they like once the the once the manuscript has been accepted and everything and contracts are signed and everything, sometimes before contracts are signed, um, mm-hmm. then they kind of start doing that developmental editing we talked about before where they're... Um, like, breaking down the story and making sure all the pieces fit, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And then usually there will be, uh, you know, also a copy editor. Sometimes it will be in-house. Sometimes they will, in fact, use freelancers because freelancers are awesome. And unfortunately, especially smaller publisher houses can't always afford to have, like, copy editors on staff necessarily. Sometimes they will just work with various freelancers as, you know, project dictates. Um, but it will basically be kind of a similar process, whether you do freelance editors or, or going through the editors once you've been acquired in a publishing house, as far as, like, what type of editing they're doing. So those are kind of 
the big things, I wanted to do an honorable mention to what I first thought editors were. And that was like, <laughs> you know, when you'll get an anthology and it will say edited by blah, 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 instead of like, you know, listing the main author name or something because it's, you know, like 20 people. That is usually just an author who has organized the the production. So they usually haven't done the actual like editing they've just kind of been overseeing the stuff and been responsible for like seeking out and they're just kind of like the head writer on it basically like often they'll be like yeah. a big name that they know will be able to sell the book if it's on the front of the book yeah yeah and but they're project managing yeah yeah and so i just kind of want to clarify that because when i first heard about editing i was like well i have books that are edited by blah 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 but i don't know what that means so that's what that is, and that's what all the other editors are, and I hope that this has helped a little kind of clarify things for people, because frequently when people are talking about, like, with when, when authors are talking about their editor, they usually mean the developmental edit editor who is overseeing their project. When they talk about, like, hiring editors, or when we kind of, like, talk about editing in general, people are usually talking about, like, copy editing, where you're just kind of going in and doing, like, line by line proofreading and stuff although proofreading is is actually a different thing and it has to do with like the design <laughs> so it's all sorts of confusing yeah <laughs> if you want one last piece of confusion your agent is very likely to ask for edits as well mm -hmm. right so yeah. like you're 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 if you are working with somebody who's kind of like has an agency behind them which usually you are um there may be staff members who specifically do a, a certain amount of proofreading and um, mm -hmm. copy editing, but they will certainly ask for revisions and edits as well, because you want, you want their expertise, <laughs> you know, like, you <laughs> want someone who knows how to sell books to tell you what they think is going to be a hurdle, if you don't change it. Um, and, and we're really mostly talking about things where, like, is your ending strong enough? Like, is there an ex extraneous scene that doesn't make sense and everybody gets caught up? You know, like, if it holds somebody up and they can't get past it because it's confusing, that's an important thing to address, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there is even, like, you will even have edits and revisions at that stage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that will really depend on the, the agent and the agency. And I think it might kind of depend, too, on your... Um, like past experience experiences with them and stuff like I've definitely heard of some authors who usually who are more established who their agent doesn't do any of that their agent just gets yeah. them to the publisher and then they handle everything so it really kind of depends I, f I think it's becoming more common like in the last 20 years or whatever for agents to do more editing whereas previously they were kind of just a, a go between between and like a legal um that, that that feels really dismissive. They're not that, they're, but they're they're they weren't really responsible for like the content so much as making all the connections happen and being like a, yeah. a source of information. Well, when you were talking about how copy editing is not done by an in-house person as much now, this is mm. related. You know, like mm -hmm. there once upon a time, publishers had more funding for more positions. There were more in-house jobs, and a lot more work might be done in those mm -hmm. you know in those places. Um, and that is just one of those things that as that is changing, more people are taking on pieces of that responsibility. Yeah. And it, it's changing a lot. Like, for instance, I think freelancers have a lot more like of a role, partially because of because of that, you know, shift, but also because it's a lot easier to find freelancers these days because yeah. of the Internet and everything. So and to and as a freelancer to find clients, especially clients that actually like do the thing that you are specializing in. 
Um, and that's, you know, very helpful, I imagine, for freelancers. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So I feel a little more clear about mm-hmm. <laughs> where all of these different people fit in to this process. But uh, <laughs> I guess that means I have to go back and get the next six or seven chapters revised. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's time for us to get back to revising. So thank you for joining us in the right place, which is wherever you happen to be. At the right time, which is whatever time you've got. Happy writing! Thank you.